Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. That's six more. That's beautifully timed. He absolutely pummeled it. Baz and Izzy are talking cricket, thanks to Rosine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand for the past 10 years. Well, the Black Caps, they got a big task on their hands starting tomorrow evening when they take on India in a two-test series in the very, very tricky subcontinent conditions of India. The full squad has only had a couple of days together to get set after a heavy T20 schedule. And we have, luckily enough, we have our good man, former coach of the side, and a man who knows how difficult the task is at hand for this current Black Caps setup, but also is a very adept at being able to work out sporting environments and work out how to get the right people in the right seats on the bus and heading in the right direction. It's my good friend Mike Hesson. Good morning, Hess. Good morning, Baz. How are you today? Very good. Welcome home, mate. Welcome home. I was a bit worried you were going to get stuck over in the UAE for the remainder of the calendar year. Yeah, I was starting to plan a uh, Christmas brunch on a, on a rooftop in Dubai there for a while. But, uh, but managed to find a spot <laughs> home in my seventh attempt. <laughs> oh, so you, you're out of MIQ now or are you still there, mate? Oh, I'm out of MIQ, but I'm in home isolation at the moment. So I've got one more day to go at my last test um, this morning. And then, uh, yeah, just wait for the result and then I'm out. Oh, very good. Oh, we look forward to catching up with you, mate. And look forward to you being able yeah. to get down to the beautiful beaches of St. Clair as you wander down the hill from your very flash pad up on the hill. So uh, good luck with yeah. that, mate. I'm looking sure you're looking to... forward to a coffee. <laughs> hey, mate, um, we, we've been talking quite a bit about um, leadership and stuff over the last couple of days, obviously in Foster and, and the All Blacks environment. We'll, we'll get on to a little bit of that with you soon about some of your takes on, on, uh, on that and maybe even what they might be able to, to be able to pick up on. But first and foremost, mate, the Black Caps... They've been superb of late, the last few years in particular, and what they've been able to tick off. But this task at hand against India in Test cricket in their own conditions, does it get any bigger? Does it get any harder? 
Look, I don't think it does. I think India will have, uh, you know, the majority of their big guns back, especially for Indian conditions. I mean, if you got even if you just got Ashwin and Jadeja as your bowling attack, um, and after day one, and possibly even on day one, it's going to be a heck of a challenge. And I think you can sort of disregard a lot of the other results. I mean, this is a completely different challenge um, in terms of having to face those guys, having not played a lot of first-class cricket, um, and potentially even up to 12 months for some people. Um, you know, it's going to be difficult. No practice matches. Um, it's going to be a heck of a challenge. But we're certainly going to rely on a bit of that experienced um, batting into Williamson, Taylor, Latham, Nichols. And I think just in those mm. four, there's plenty of experience to, to hopefully uh, pass on to the rest of the crew. Hey, mate, you've been in the forefront with the Black Caps for, for a while. Now Gary Stead's taken over. What, what, would, what would be the key messages heading into this tough tour where we haven't had success since 1988, since a very long time? What would, you be, what would be the key messages you'd be trying to deliver to the boys in the Black Caps? Well, I think it's probably about not getting too far ahead of yourself. I think that um, you know test matches over in India can actually change really quickly. So you've actually got to just stay in the game for as long as you can. So rather than um, thinking about the end result too much, just, just sort of dealing with each compartmentalised session, you know, probably even an hour. Um, you know, if you can get through a certain spell from a, a bowler at a certain time and get them to bring back a quick, um, you know, then you're sort of winning those small battles. So I think it's about uh, that sustained pressure over long periods of time and, and actually be willing to have to really scrap for a result, which, you know, you're going to have to do over a long period of time, but realising that it can change real quick either way. So just hanging in there and, um, as I said, not getting too far ahead of yourself. Mm. Hey, yes, mate. I, I think, I mean, if they were able to scale this mountain, it's quite a remarkable achievement, no doubt. But you must look back on, you know, the time that you, since, well, obviously pr- proud of what you were able to achieve when you were coach, but since you've left the side, what they've what they've been able to achieve under steady, you must look at that with just an immense amount of pride and, and satisfaction that, that you played such a big role in that. Oh look, I you know I tune in for every Black Caps game and, and are a hugely proud supporter and um, you know everything the team achieves because you know you know Baz how much work they put in behind the scenes. You know it's not a it's not a um, it's not luck. You know it's, it's happened over quite a period of time where they've been able to grow that group and all the leaders in the group are. Are grown and they're, and they're sort of heading in the same direction, which which sounds quite cliche and easy, but as you know, it's pretty difficult to achieve. You know, when you got you know a lot of people with, um, you know, you can be caught up in your own little space and in international cricket, and sort of worry about yourself a bit at times. But it's a pretty cool place when you've got a group of of players and support staff, you know, all genuinely heading in the same direction, and that you know that takes work and effort and. I think this team have that, and, and, and obviously Kane's a huge part in that. But I think you'd be the first to recognise that, you know, like the Saudi and, um, you know, so many more, BJ Watling when he was there, um, you know, this Tom Latham, there's so many guys in that group, you know, Ross, um, you know, Bolte's now you're becoming a leader. I mean, there's so many guys that have been there now for so long that are pulling that group together. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a nice place to, to be, and as a supporter, um, you know, which I am now, and, and you know, you are now, it's um, it's a pretty cool place to be. Mate, t- talk to us about transitioning from T20 cricket to Test cricket and talk about all the formats. We've not o- only been good at Test cricket as of late, but ODIs, we made the final in, 09 to, in 2019, then we've just missed out on the T20 World Cup final. 
and then we're going up to test cricket. How is how hard is the transition when you're going from all these different formats, and how are the Black Caps able to transition effortlessly from the outside looking in? Well, I think it's just that in each format they've got a really good core group of players, um, and as I said, you can kind of compartmentalise it and um, and actually rely on those players in many ways to to share the message in terms of what I get. Look, guys, we've sort of we've parked that part. Now we're um, now we're going to come together and uh, obviously focus on the next group. What are some of the key objectives we're trying to trying to achieve? Become a little bit, um, yeah. As I said, just <clears throat> just just be able to park whether it be a poor result or a good result really quickly. Um, and you can only do that if, as I said, with a bit of experience and, and some leaders in that group. Um, and I think we've got a bit of talent too. I think that's something that you can't <laughs> you can't. Forget that we've actually got some damn good players across all formats. Um, I think Test cricket would have probably got our most depth at the moment um, across the three, but um, yeah, we've actually got some damn good individuals and uh, who can win a game on their own, but but they're not in terms of they're actually all playing together. Um, and I think that's you know that's pretty damn important. I also think they've planned pretty well in terms of giving guys breaks. Uh, I think the ability to front up. You know, and put in a heck of a performance in all three formats. You know, every day of the year is just impossible. So I think they've been able to relieve people of some, some of that in terms of saying, hey, you're just going to play Test cricket, or you're just going to play, you know, maybe two formats. Um, you take a pretty special player to, to go across all three at the moment. We're talking to former Black Caps coach and now head of cricket over there at uh, RCB in the IPL um, league, Mike Hesson. Hey, um. Yes, there's there's been a bit of a um, push from New Zealand cricket just recently, which you'll be well aware of and no doubt a contributor to, about trying to somehow document or dossier the exact rise, I guess, of the Black Caps so that they may be able to pass it on to, to other sporting or, or in fact, business organisations. Have you, firstly, been a part of that? And, and secondly, um, some of the information you passed on without giving away too much... Um, would you be able to just <laughs> uh, maybe explain a little bit of a little bit of that for us? Yeah, look, like I have been part of the uh, the process. I sort of had a, an interview with um, you know with Don uh, a couple of months ago while I was in uh, in Dubai. Look, I think um, I think you've got to be careful about sort of cross pollinating into different sports or businesses like everything. I think it's more about um, understanding your environment and actually spending some mm. time doing that um, rather than thinking you can you can apply you know your practice or your theory seamlessly into another organization because um, I think the I think the biggest part of transition as I said is actually completely understanding who you're dealing with um, the problem of that group and then trying to come up with a plan around how you're gonna uh, how you're gonna apply the way you think it's going to work in that environment you know if you just try and pick up your plan and try and transition it you know, and, and amongst another team, even in the same sport, is challenging, let alone across sports. So, uh, I mean, there are obviously some fundamentals in terms of, um, you know, being really clear around, you know, what are the parameters you want that team to operate in and who are the types of characters you want in the group and what are some of the values that you want to apply. Um, but I think you just got to, you do actually have to take the time to talk to the right people and find out um, what the group and what the environment requires. What about um, what about some of your um, support acts or, or the support staff? Do you need complementary skills, or or um, everyone 
the same as as brief or what? I think we know that answer. But... Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I think you've actually got to be you've got to be sort of a bit bigger than yourself in many respects. If but when you're appointing support staff, I, I think the last thing you want are people that just um, tell you that what you want to hear. I think if you do that, then um, you're sort of selling the group short. So I always think when you're putting a support staff together, um, you know, it's important to get a real cross-section of, of people um, and also people that, that have different spheres of influence. Um, and I mean by that, you know, I think no matter how good a coach you are or manager or whatever, you, you don't actually get your message across to everyone in a large group. Um, so it's a matter of, of having a real variety of skills across your group um, whether that be you know coaches, but also off the park, that can actually deliver a message and, and be a support network for every one of your players. Um, you know you can't do that yourself, and if you you think you can, then you're actually the wrong man for the job anyway. So um, I think you know it's more that that combination of people that is just so critical. Hey, man, one thing I've noticed that's great great answer there, Hess. But one thing I've noticed about the Black Caps is is their ability to keep. The older players, the the Ross Taylors, the Kane Williamsons, at the height of the the peak of their performance every single time. I think at the moment, with with other organisations, I find like some of the the more experienced players are probably struggling to find a bit of form or stay stimulated in those environments. What what would be your key to keep the guys that have been around for such a long period of time and had so much success? What would be your key thing or key? things you'll try and point to to keep those guys stimulated and motivated to go out there and perform? Yeah, I think it's about having a conversation with them and saying, look, you know, mm. we know you've been a great player um, up until now, but mm. you know, how can you continue to contribute and and actually get them to come along for the ride too? Like, like what, what do we need from you? But probably equally as importantly, what do you need from us in terms of keeping you mm. stimulated, making sure that you put the work in behind the scenes so that when you do play, you're you are the best sort of version of yourself. And um, I think that's a two-way thing. I think that, you know, yeah. the player also needs to know that they're valued and that, they're, um, you know, what they've got a whole heap of experience and skill that they want to pass on. And if they're just seen as a, you know, in our sport of numbers and, you know, a runs and wickets thing, then, of course, their interest mm-hmm. will wane from time to time. Um, whereas if they realise yeah. they're, they're part of that transition and the fact they, they've got to keep their standards up until the time they decide to, you know, retire, um, then adding value. Whereas if you're just hanging mm. on for a, to clip the ticket um, <laughs> and you're not willing to offer or contribute, then, you know, potentially we're, you know, we're best moving on as well. So I think those conversations are critical. Mm. Yeah, spot on, mate. We're going to let you go in a minute. But just, just quickly, mate, so you get out of MIQ tomorrow or out of home isolation and then what you've got, you got nothing until maybe the IPL auction, or what else is going on in, in your life, mate? What what do you got over the next few months? Yeah, it's a good question, Ben. I think, um, as you know, with the <laughs> IPL, there's, there's a whole lot of different pressure points, I guess, throughout the year, and um, you know whether it be obviously retention of players and then heading up to an auction. Um, there's also a few issues around trying to get an MIQ spot, or whether the MIQ is going to finish, um, so whether we can actually you know, carry on our jobs overseas or not. So there's a bit of drama around that. But I'm sort of involved in a couple of startups, um, which I'm really enjoying. Don't know a heck of a lot about them in terms of, you know, the actual in, ins and outs of the business, but love sort of talking about leadership and how, how it can help grow, you know, grow the business. Um, do a bit of work for Sky Sports, 
Um, obviously, lucky enough to be involved in the, the series at the moment with, with the Black Caps. It sort of keeps you keeps you involved. Uh, yeah, a couple of girls and a, and a dog. So yeah, it's plenty of work to do. Oh, yeah, well, so with the, I, yeah. with the IPL auction then obviously the retention of players comes out um, as a fellow coach in the IPL auction what uh, what, what players yeah. are you retaining <laughs> <laughs> I can't ask that <laughs> <laughs> well you've lost yeah, A.B. De Villiers anyway jeepers that was a big one yeah oh mate that was a huge one it was a big week for, for all of us really um but I guess, I mean, you know, AB, um, you know, really well. I haven't played with them and against them for a while. And um, he's just he's just a champion bloke on and off the park. And um, obviously he's a genius with the bat and will be sorely missed. But he's one of those guys that when he makes up, um, you know, when, when he talks about family and how it's important to him and, and you know, what's going on in, in South Africa and the fact he wants to spend time there, then, you know, you've... You got to respect that, and he, you know, he didn't come to that decision lightly. Um, you know, we would have loved to have him back, no doubt about that, and we're all going to miss him. But we're sort of respectful that, mate, he's put in some pretty damn good years, and when the fire burns out and he wants to, doesn't quite think he can be the best in the world, then he's, you know, you see, it's times enough. So yeah, you've got to respect that, haven't you? And not saying I didn't try and twist his arm a little bit, but um, <laughs> definitely, uh, you know, he definitely, man, deserves to, to enjoy his retirement. Yeah, that's right. Oh, well, very, very best of luck, mate. Look forward to uh, to duelling again out on the uh, the fields of the IPL in uh, in time, or duelling at the auction first of all, and then in, on the field in time. But uh, it's been great to catch up with you, mate. Really appreciate your insights, and not just on on cricket, mate, but on all things sort of high performance and structures and team environments and that as well. And we wish you all the best for your time back home, mate. And uh, thanks heaps for joining us on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Jesus. Uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate the chat and look forward to um, you know, having a glass of wine in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, yeah. too right. <laughs> that was Mike Kesson, former Black Caps coach and now director of cricket at RCB over there in the IPL competition. That was our cricket catch-up with Razine. Colour Shops, your paint, stain, colour and decorating experts. We've got plenty more coming up and we're going to talk a little bit more cricket and maybe just a little bit more leadership stuff and even team structures and environments. So that was Mike Hesson who joins us, who joined us. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Big thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. The Black Caps, sticking with cricket, well, they've only had the two days as a full squad in Camper to prepare prepare for this test. So Kyle Jamison and Kane Williamson joined them when they sat out the T20 series, the test side, but now Daryl Mitchell, Glenn Phillips, Mitch Sandner and Tim Southey are all on deck so they've only had two days as a team but as Mike Hesson said what they've found great question is he going for asking about format to format he kind of led in with the answer uh, Baz that it's about the core players in each format and they kind of help pick up where the other players left off so it's almost like player driven across those formats and that's how coaches and, and the cohesion stays which is really interesting to hear from Hess so I'm um, fascinated to hear more about that Baz. Yeah, that's right, mate, which is a fascinating comment as well because Mike's probably a bit more, um, I'd say he's more high-performance sort of structure, but to him talk, hear him talk about team spirit and the cohesion across those formats is, is a really interesting development there as well. So, look, I, I said just before the break about um, how it would sort of go into a little bit of the story. I guess what, what kind of got me started on this on this train of thought, lads, was 
was the All Black scenario and Ian Foster. And I sort of kept thinking, well, mm. everyone's saying Foster or Robertson. Foster's not going anywhere. Okay? New Zealand rugby's already no. said he's here, he's through to the World Cup. So then I started sort of thinking, well, what is it that he could maybe try and um, bring into uh, that setup, which might be able to just ignite the fire? Okay, and, and so then I sort of started thinking back to the Black Caps journey. Now, when Kess put me in as captain, um, as we got bowled out to 45 in my first ever game as captain. Okay, and I said again earlier, in the midst of chaos, there is opportunity. Well, there is. And that was, for us, it was an opportunity for to be able to strip everything back and say, we are not a very good cricket team right at this point in time. We're walking around like we are, but we're not a very yeah, good cricket yeah. team right at this point in time. Time. So what do we have to do to be able to get to the point where we're respected and delivering on the international stage day in, day out? So we had to be honest with one another. We had to be honest with ourselves. And one of the big things was that um, we were we got away from what Kiwis were about. And we wanted to be a, a strong representation of what Kiwis were about, what our country is founded on. And that has been humble, hardworking, that number eight wire sort of mentality and being an, an innovative and not being worried about the fact that we're small on resource, but that we can use that to our advantage. We can be nimble tactically and we can stay in front of the bigger, more resource countries and opponents if we're prepared to buy into what we're trying to achieve. So cohesion would become such an important part of that. So we had to be able to get ourselves to all believe in the dream and the direction that we thought we could go and not fear what the, some of the decisions or the, the roads that we might head down. And that was my job, I guess. He's provided all the structure and he provided the loyalty with selection and the consistency of selection and he managed up beautifully to the New Zealand Cricket Board, the CEO and everyone else around him and he got a really good group of um, support staff on board which challenged him, um, which challenged his methods at times um, and and also provided resource that he couldn't provide. And then with, with me, I guess my type of leadership as a captain was is a lot more touchy-feely. It's kind of getting to know you as a, as a player, getting to know your family, you what your goals are, what drives you in the game, and trying to connect with you. So that then when I ask you to do something which is a bit edgy out on the field against bigger opposition, you trust that I, that, that I have your back if it doesn't go, doesn't go right. So I guess from my point of view, I like, um, I like reading um, a lot of books, uh, which most people mm. probably won't know. My favourite book is... Sun Tzu, The Art of War, and I've tried to take on a lot of those principles in my sort of my strategic kind of cricketing um, or professional life and, and then some of those lessons into your personal life as well. And if you go through um, some of those, and I know we've got some obligations we've got to hit in just a sec, if we can go through some of those things, and then I want to point out one which I think is really important at the back end of it. Um, in, in The Art of War, they talk a lot about... Um, that the art of war teaches us to rely not on the likelihood of the enemy's not coming, but on our own readiness to receive him, not on the chance of his not attacking, but rather on the fact that we have made our position unassailable. Okay, so that to me is really important because it teaches you to get yourself ready and know that the challenge is coming your way. And, mm. and it, it teaches you about knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and that if you know your enemy and yourself, then you need not fear the result of 100 battles they talk about. If you don't know your enemy but you know yourself, then you'll win one, you'll lose one. If you don't know your enemy and you don't know yourself, then you'll lose every battle. If you know your enemy and you know yourself, then you'll win 100 battles. That's kind of one of the mentalities of the art of war. Um, and the, one of the greatest aspects of the Sun Tzu art of war is, 
as he talks about, he will win whose army is animated by the same spirit throughout all its ranks. That's cohesion. So you need to find a way throughout all your ranks, from the lowest player in the team or the newest player in the team, to those who have been there throughout. They've got to be content and comfortable with the seat that they sit on the bus, and they understand the direction that it's heading. They do that, then you create harmony and you create cohesion within the group, and that, that spirit is able to achieve some special things. Then you can be innovative and you can be dynamic, and then the bigger resource teams, they can't catch up to you. That's where the All Blacks were. I don't think they're there now. What do I think they need to yep. do? I think Ian Foster has to find a way to bring someone in who may not be one of his posse, may not be one of his circle of, of friends or trust, but he needs to bring someone in who's got that steel and that ability to be able to reignite the fire within some of those older boys and to put the fear of God up some of those younger boys as well to understand that their obligations as an all-black side is that they are to win 90 to 92% of their games because that's what the country expects of them and that's what they've bought into. So if I was in Ian Foster's position, and hey, maybe in the coming weeks or months we might find out and we might see it happen, but I would absolutely love if he brought in someone like a Richie McCaw, whether it be him or someone with a bit of steel, someone who's, and they don't have to be there day in, day out. They bring them in, spark them up. And then they move on. Stephen mm. Fleming, remember, spent five days with the Black Caps environment on the cusp of the T20 World Cup. How vital could that contribution have been to their overall ability to travel through to the final? Little things like that. Fozzie, you're in the chair, my friend. If I, I don't know you. I've never met you. But if I was you, bring someone in who you may not necessarily like, but who you may just need. Plenty more coming up soon. We're going to get off for a quick break. Time to rip into our McCafe coffee catch-up. And well... Mine was delivered this morning. How good. This weekend, gone, we saw Shane Van Gersbergen join a very small list of Kiwi drivers who have won the Supercar Series multiple times. He's been in dominant form this year and clinched the series before next week. Huge go out at Mount Panorama for the Bathurst. To talk about such a gun driver like Shane, we've tracked down another legend of our motorsport ranks who did it all winning series up in Europe before driving the better part of a decade in the V8 supercars down under. He represented some of the iconic names, Dick Johnson Racing, Triple Eight, Team Kiwi Racing, and he knows how tough the supercars series is to conquer. Paul Radisic is on the line. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, team. How are we? Oh, very good. Very good, Paul. We, we just had a wee quiz, and we're, we're giving away some money here, 711 bucks, so... Everyone's up and about. No one has taken the money yet. But, um, no, we've had a good show so far. We've been talking about team environments, a bit of high-performance uh, operating organisations. And, well, one guy that's been performing at a, at a high level for a very long time, mate, is Shane Van Gisbergen. How good has he been this year? Oh, hasn't he been spectacular? I mean, he, he led the series from the, uh, from the, uh, from the first round and, and hasn't relinquished mm. all the way through. So... I mean, quickest driver. Yes, he's got the he's got the equipment un, under him, but man, does he use it to the best of his ability? And um, you know, it, it's in some ways it's a shame McLaughlin wasn't there because I believe this year he would have yeah. uh, he would have he would have no one would have touched him. And um, you know, the only guy that got close was his teammate um, Jamie Wincup, and uh, he's a seven-time champion and knows his way around um, around uh, the Australian circuit. So look, Shane is. Um, He's, 
what he's done this this year is just is, is really unbelievable. He, you know, he started from the back, he started from the front. He's from the doesn't matter where he is. He his skill <laughs> to get the car around and and deal with the conditions that you have to deal with are, are second to none for any type of driver. Um, and uh, you know, once again, he's just proven how 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 an all rounder he he really really is. Hey, Paul, it's Baz here, mate. Hey, have you, have you seen the supercars, um, well, the sport itself, have you seen it sort of change a lot of recent times? Well, look, the, the, you know, the car of the future come out when I, just just before, well, just after I, I retired, so there was a big change there. Those cars have sort of rolled through now and they're about to change, I think, end of next year. Where the Camaro is going to be the Camaro and the and the and the, uh, the Mustang are going to be the two model cars, um, and based on more of a, uh, a more of a, a cheaper platform to enable the teams to not only compete a little fairly but uh, just to cut the cost down. So, mm. yeah, what, what are the, the errors I've seen? They're they're definitely trying to make it uh, more cost effective and get more teams into it and. You know, we've seen manufacturers drop away, which is always a difficult thing. But, you know, saying that, the fields are still very strong. There's, you know, close to 30 cars, um, still plenty of signage on the cars. So, look, things have changed, but, but they have also progressed as well. You know, and the, the cars are much more refined. There's better cooling systems. Um, you know, the, 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 uh, the pit stops are more refined. Everything's just more and more refined than, than when I stopped in 2008. Um, mate, let's talk about Shane Van Gersbergen. He's had 14 wins. The next best is Anton Del Pasquale with six. He has been on another level this year. Is he going to stick around and, and keep being the supercar dominance and, and you know being the, the number one driver? Or is he going to look ahead and potentially, could you see him going offshore and following Shane McLaughlin over to the Indy cars or something like, like that? Look, I, I don't know what Shane's long-term views are. I know he, he loves coming back to New Zealand and, and you know, mm. to be a professional racing driver, you've got to move offshore. That's that's just the reality of, mm. of how it's always been. Um, you know, Shane's done a lot overseas in Europe and, and won championships over there as well. So I think a couple of years ago he did he did these, the V8 supercars and he did two or three champ, championships in between in series in Europe. So... He has done it, um, and look, I, I I really don't know, you know, what his long-term views are, but uh, it's the same old thing, you know. He's got a great job, he's winning races. Why would you want to leave? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And so, but between Shane and then you got Scott McLaughlin, you got Scott Dixon, you got Brennan Hartley, and then also a young Liam Lawson. It really is a bit of a golden era of. Kiwi drivers to a degree. What's do you have an involvement with them at all, Paul? Do you, do you sort of a bit of a mentor to them? No, look for those guys. Um, no, they all. You know, Ken Smith had a lot to do with a lot of those guys. You you rattled off uh, in their early mm. in their early days when they were you know trying to learn the craft. But um, uh, no, I mean other than than watching them and 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 being right behind them all. Um, of course, I, I I know them, but no, I don't have any involvement with any of those guys. And and you you're right. I mean, it is it's been sort of the golden era for 
motorsport for probably four or five years now and we've we've had guys in all the top championships of the world and, and at one stage even Brendan in Formula One. Um, so, you know, we've, uh, we've, we've, we've had some great success and, and still going to have plenty more success. And, you know, we haven't seen the best of Scott McLaughlin in IndyCar yet. You know, Scott Dixon's dominated that for many years and long may, may, long may he continue. So, uh, you know, from, from the motorsport perspective, um, we've still got guys out there doing it and, and, and at, at the top echelon for, you know, hopefully these guys will see another five years and they want to have another crop of, of young guys that they've inspired to, uh, to, to follow what they've done. Yeah, it's a great golden era for Kiwi racing drivers. You've got Hayden Patton trying to get in that EV car and the Hyundai doing good things as well. Hey, mate, quickly before we let you go, mate, how much does Bathurst 1000, the great race, how much does this mean to, to the race drivers? And I know Shane Van Gisbergen has already wrapped up the series, but he'll be going out there to, to win this race. And what does it mean for these drivers, racing in the Bathurst and to win the great race that is Bathurst? Well, it, it's, it's, it's such an iconic event, and it, it's, you know, it, it ranks up there with the Le Mans and, mm. and um, you know, Monza and, and big, big events around the world. People know the Bathurst 1000. Um, it does, you know, from 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 the motorsport world, it, it it is the race that does stop the nations, and that's Australia and New Zealand in particular, um, because it's it's such an iconic event. It is, to you know, to win it, um, it, it's what every driver aspires to. Yes, everyone wants to win the championship, of course, but if you had to give give it away and win Bathurst, you'd walk away a, a happy man. It's it's look it's one of those races that it's a, it is a one-off event. It's you know it's eight hours of racing. Mm. Uh, it's man and machine against the elements, and 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 as we've seen over the years, you know the elements play a big part in it. So I'm sure this this year will be no no different. You know you've got the your regular contenders. I mean, really hard this year for the for the co-drivers because they've done no lead-ups to Mount Panorama, so they're all going in stone cold. Most of them have done no <laughs> racing all year, so hey, anything is is possible, and uh, and we'll you know, and, and it will, we're going to see lots of dramas in and around the the co-drivers just because they haven't done the kilometres. But you know, the plan for the race is to try and get through to that last hour. You've got your your, mm-hmm. your, your top drivers in the car in the last hour, and uh, and that's when the race really begins. So uh, um, I'm looking forward to. Seen what happened, and I'm, and I'm sure Shane, he's got, a, he has got a, probably the best co-driver with Garth Tander, and um, I'd expect the Kiwi win. Yeah, same here, mate. It's a, it's a great race, and Conrod straight, mate. That big straight where you get up to three hundred and something clicks. That was one of the highlights of the race. Paul Radisic, he is a legend of New Zealand racing. We really appreciate your time, mate, and talking to us about Shane Van Gisbergen, who is doing great things, but um. Thanks so much for joining Bears and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks, Paul. We appreciate it, mate. Have a cracking day. No, my pleasure. Take care, guys. Awesome. Great to chat. To him. Mate, I was lucky, Bears. I was lucky enough to, to head over to Greg Murphy's house and jump on his simulator last year and have a go in the V8 supercar. And, man, it was good fun. It was such good fun. They're cool cars. And, oh, you can get understanding. And those simulators are so realistic as well. Like, you just get one foot wrong one thing you spin out mate so
Got a lot of admiration for them. But anyway, we'll be back shortly. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. That's the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Will on the Gold Coast wants to know, can you repeat your tips if possible, lads? Well, I'm not going to do that just yet because we've got Michael McNabb on the phone. And as far as yes. go, there ain't too many better. And he might just steer us into one. So keep listening, Will. In the next six or seven minutes or so, Old Nabba might just be able to get us one. But anyway, as it warms up and the tracks get firm, the racing also starts to heat up and the best horses and jockeys come to the fore. Michael McNabb, Nabba, is having a great time of it and he's heading into the busy part of the season. He's leading the jockeys' premiership with 37 wins and a striking 5.73, which is very impressive. He'll be getting ready for a busy few days ahead, starting at Tauranga today as well. He's got some nice rides there, as he does in the weekend. Good morning, Nabba. Morning, Baz. Morning, Izzy. How are you? Good, mate. Cheers. <laughs> Good to get you on the phone, bro. Hey? Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me on. Ah, <laughs> oh, mate. What's uh, what's happening? Obviously, you you'll be making your way over to Tauranga very shortly to to rip into a nice book of rides. But, mate, you're in absolutely red hot form at the moment. You must be must be delighted with your form. Yeah, really wrapped with how I've been going. It's been a really good start to the season. Um, obviously, off the back of a, an alright season last season, so we started well, so it's good. How hard is it to to stay consistent in this game? Is it does it come down to the rides that you get as well as your own form, or or does it come down to a mindset in, in yourself and your own preparations? I think it's a bit of everything. Um, definitely starts with yourself. I think you've got to have everything right off the track to be able to perform on the track. And um, then obviously you've got to get the good rides, but you have to be in the right mindset to ride those horses as well. Mate, what? Never. It's great to chat to you, mate. I popped into you down in the church, mate, in a nice hot <laughs> sun there at Amazon Eater. It was great to catch up with you, brother. But, mate, tell us about yourself. What What motivates you to to be riding so successful, and is winning the Premiership a big goal of yours? Um, well, first on the Premiership, not at the moment. Um, if it got to mm. March and I, and I was still around, oh, for sure, it'd be, it'd be massive to win a Premiership. Um, it was a beautiful day that day down in the sun. The food was good as well. Um, <laughs> and what was your other question, sorry? Is, oh, what motivates just, me? Just the, just the food, um, eh? <laughs> yeah, 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 I was only eating. <laughs> I'm a, yeah. um, <laughs> oh, I, I think it's um, oh, the thrill of winning, but but winning on big yeah. days and that's really motivating. Um, yeah. So that's that's always a plus, and those big races are absolutely outstanding. So that's sort of what motivates me. Nice. Man. Nabba, we, we talked a little bit on the show um, today, uh, Izzy explaining his passion for the All Blacks jersey and, and me explaining my passion for the Black Caps and, and the teams and that that we're a part of. We've seen you after big wins, uh, just how the, the big smile on your face and the pump of the arms, and, and it, it does just get you going, doesn't it? You're incredibly passionate about this industry and, and winning, aren't you? Yeah, I'm really passionate. Uh, you'll you see that when I win a big race, I go off... Um, <laughs> just the, uh, like you can't explain the feeling of you guys would know winning big games and that. You just can't explain how good it feels and all the work you've put in, 
and when it pays off in a big race or you have a massive day on a big day, um, the feeling's just incredible. Mate, what what horse at all right at the moment, uh, which is really keeping you fired up for summer, mate? Have you got any horse or something for the future that you could lead us into? Because that's what we're doing, Baz and Lizzie for breakfast. We love getting our listeners paid. Is there something that's good at the moment to watch out for? Um, Paranui Bay. He's he's two from two. Um, he he won his first start, beat a really good field, and then he won the Sardin at the second start, which is hard to do, and beat another really good field. Um, he's in on the weekend. I think a, a, a colt you could probably follow is a uh, colt Harlick. Um, Pam's got him going really good. Took him a while to get going when he come back from Aussie. Um, and he's going to run in the Captain Cook in a couple of weeks. But they might be a little sneaky on the weekend. One with a lightweight, Tabata. Oh! <laughs> get up, son. I was trying not to tell the world about that. We we're going to get our odds on first, my son. Crikey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly though, like she she does, she'll get in a lightweight. Like she's up against a pretty a pretty good field, but we're delighted to have you on board, mate. So let's uh, let's see how it works out. But but um, she 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 can gallop, can't she? Oh my word, she can. Yes. Um, she she went on really well the other day. She is in a good field, but I think you've got to take in, into account she's only going to have fifty three kilos on her back, and um, she can get the right run. Hopefully she's right there, Bella. Or never, never. Tell us that run, mate. Tell us that run. What's your plan? What's your plan for to get to Bart over the line, brother? <laughs> I, uh, well, I don't have a plan as yet because I don't know what I've drawn. And we'll do that a little bit closer, but I'll, I'll be doing everything to get her over the line. I promise you that. Oh, well, I'll tell you what, mate. There'd be some lovely fruits at the bottom of the old rainbow if you're able to get her across the line. We'll... We'll have a little uh, long lunch somewhere, no doubt. But anyway, mate, what about today? What what have we got? Have we got anything that's backable today that you're on? Vulture Street? Um, maybe a horse called Midnight Special. I think she's in the second. Horse of um, Tiakau. She runs yep. second, the first start, and run really well. It was just a little bit green. She's drawn a bit awkwardly today, but um, if she gets a nice run, she could be really competitive. There we go. Is he make sure you get on that, my son? Um, what about the uh, the the thing at David Green's Vulture Street Race Seven? You got a you got a chance on that? It's been backed off the map. Has it? Um, yeah, yeah. They must know something I don't, so that's always a good thing. Oh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, that's not very confident. That's out of my mind. No, that's on. good. <laughs> I'm, only, I'm only going, going off the replays I can watch, so they they must know something that I don't. So, well, that's always, you know, as I said, it's always a good thing. Might must be going really well, <laughs> but this oh. table's flying. Yeah, the stable is flying, absolutely flying. All right, mate. Well, we'll let you go anyway. But look forward to we'll have to have a game of squash at some point as well. Look forward to catching yeah, up sure. and all the best this weekend. All the best yeah, this never. week and all the best this weekend. We'll catch up. Hopefully with the chocolates that day afternoon. Oh, yes. That'd be massive. Um, <laughs> thanks, Dad. Thanks, Izzy, for having me on. And hopefully we catch up for a couple of, couple of cold sodas soon.
Yes. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute legend. It is Michael McNabb who was riding out of his skin. And as he pointed to, last year was a good season for him as well. And he's really coming into a hot period in his career. So we wish him all the best. He's a champion bloke. And um, he's good company. And, and he's on some nice rides today and, and also on the weekend. So all the best to Ultra, you, eh? Michael McNabb. <laughs>